on today's player pool. We look for Joe Burrow. Have you seen him? Toilet Bowl recap. And CJ Stroud is the real deal. You know you're a nerd if while watching Sunday Night Football, the first people you noticed in the booth wasn't Taylor Swift, but Deadpool and Wolverine. What? Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Player Pool Podcast. It is past week four. And like I said, after week four, fantasy players, they are who they are after week four. Unfortunately, there's some fantasy players that are not playing like they have in the past. And we all know who we're talking about here. So we're going to get to that. We got a lot to cover on the show today, including CJ Stroud's emergence, the terrible outcome on both sides of the toilet bowl, that Broncos Bears game. Good. I want to go over that. But to begin the show, oh, Burrow, where art thou? What happened to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals? How can you be such a top offense for multiple years before the season just to come out and lay a dud? Well, the short answer is it's when your quarterback only has one leg. Your star running back is on his last year of star usefulness. And what we're constantly seeing from a lot of these Sean McVay type coaches, a lack of creativity despite changing situation. No adjustments despite the, everything being different. The great coaches in the league adjust their teams to the players they have and to the players they're facing. Mike Vrabel is a great example of this. Titans are not blessed with skilled players. They're definitely not best with quarterback. But what do they have that works pretty well for them? They got a human tank that they can hand the ball to. So that's what they do. They, get, they give it to him 22 times a game, and he gives them a W most of the time. That's what a good coach does. Zach Taylor with the Bengals acts like he is one of those proud people that do not ever open or read the news ever, even if it concerns his own team. I think the team doctor has committed malpractice for the Cincinnati Bengals because apparently the team doctor has not advised Zach Taylor what the type of calf injury or strain or if there's even a calf still present on Joe Burrow's leg. The doctor has not properly advised that head coach how this has affected Burrow, how it can affect his ability to play football. It's either that or Zach Taylor thinks that no matter what, he is the play caller and God here and no adjustments by the Bengals are needed despite the quarterback obviously struggling through four, four games to a one and three record. Just a complete disaster in Cincinnati. And once again, these historically bad struggling franchises, they lack the ability to adjust. They just do. They they have they have to live just with what they have and they can't turn right or left. They can only know they only know how to go straight, right? So it's all about who's in the car with them. Take the Green Bay Packers as an example of a franchise that knows how to adjust. The Green Bay Packers this year are struggling. They're paying Aaron Rodgers a lot of money. There's a lot of dead cap, which equals not a lot of talent on the roster. What has that led to still? A good quarterback and competent play. Throw out that Thursday night game, <laughs> but you can't kill the good franchises ever, right? This was a bad week for the good franchises, and they're going to bounce. They're going to be competitive and bounce back again next week. We've seen 
four bad weeks from the Bengals. They've squeaked out one win, but there's going to be no adjustments moving forward. The Patriots just took the biggest loss in the Bill Belichick era this past week. Mark my words, there'll be a competitive football game and a competitive product on the field next week. They'll adjust. Green Bay Packers just got their nose kicked in on primetime national television at Lambeau by a division rival that is three times better, three times more talented than they are. You're going to see how they're going to respond this week. I would bet you. The Steelers, devoid of a high-level quarterback and probably married to an offensive coordinator they should have moved on a long time ago. That's a failure to adjust, but other than that, the Steelers are going to keep rolling out competitive football teams, adjusting, drafting, scouting well. But the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bears, Chicago Bears of the world, they just act like they're stuck with the cards they're dealt, and you just don't see any intelligent adjustments made by them at all. So that leads me to the next area of the show, and I mentioned this on my review show Sunday. promised we would get to it. And it is what to do with this Bengals team with Joe Burrow moving forward. Because I have bad news for every DFS player out there. Not only are the Bengals this week on the main slate, but they're playing the Arizona Cardinals who just gave up a 45-burger to Christian McCaffrey. Every star player has been able to have their way with the Arizona Cardinals this year And like it or not, star players do exist on this Bengals team. So what are we going to do moving forward? Before I give my two cents on how to handle this Cincinnati mess, let's talk a couple stats, shall we? I have two quarterbacks in the NFL. They've played four football games each this year. And just want to run through some of their their stats. So quarterback A, if you can guess who this is, help me out here. Quarterback A has passed four. 728 yards at a 57.6% completion percentage. He has thrown two touchdowns and two picks. His QBR, 33.7. Quarterback B. He has thrown for 712 yards, less than quarterback A, by about 16 yards. He's thrown for a higher completion percentage than quarterback A, 58.5 points. And his quarterback rating, 38.7 points. Five points higher than quarterback A. Well, I've probably given it away, but quarterback A is Joe Burrow. Can you guess who the better quarterback and quarterback B is so far through four games of the season? Yep, he was on last night. And if you could get past all the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey circus that I have had almost about enough of. Almost. I'll probably be ready for some more T-Swift next week. But quarterback B is yours truly, Zach Wilson. That's right. Zach Wilson has outperformed, outplayed Joe, highest paid quarterback in the NFL, Burrow, so far through four weeks. That's how bad it is. That's how red alert this is. And I'm going to get to this later when we talk about Anthony Richardson. But To me, the Tennessee Titans are the ultimate quarterback test team because you're not going to have a running game against the Titans, but they're going to give you the yards. So it's all about can this quarterback execute, dot his I's, cross his T's. And Joe Burrow failed this week. There's no other way to say it. He absolutely failed the test. He had a good completion percentage, but he averaged 5.5 yards passing. That's last year of Drew Brees bad when Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball 15 yards. That is terrible. So – 
we are in red alert mode with the with the Bengals. But <laughs> here come the Arizona Cardinals, right? And as sick as it sounds, and I'm not a doctor, but as sick as it sounds, I think you got to stick with at least one Burrow line for yourself every week. His price is below 7K heading into this week. Things can't be any worse. But these players don't just drop off the, the face of the world. Like these injuries, they come, they linger, they leave eventually. So Joe Burrow, he did have good completion percentage. His completion percentage has, has been fairly decent the last three weeks, getting – you know, he had 53% against Rams a week ago, but two weeks ago against Baltimore, 65.9. This week, 66.7. He's still getting the ball certain places. He's just not executing when it comes to the 10 yards and down the field, and really, more specifically, to Jamar Chase. So it's going to click is the problem. It will click, and all of a sudden, you're going to have a top three or four quarterback again. But at this point, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they've definitely cost me probably five lineups total in four weeks. Just absolute tankers. This week, this past week above all, was super painful with having, you know, Christian McCaffrey's 45-point game stuck in a Bengals line that barely broke 100. So I get the frustration, but the pro DFS, the pro DFS play, at least to me, is to be mature and ride through the suck because it's going to pop. It's going to pop in one day, in one week, and you're going to want to be on the train. So aggressively put Burrow, keep him in your player pool with Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and this week you're even free to do some Tyler Boyd. But temper your expectations. I don't think I'm playing double or multiple uh, Bengals stacks moving forward, but a good DFS player knows you ride the perennial all pros. You ride the potential future Hall of Famers. These guys are in their prime. He's just got one leg. He can't drive off it yet. Eventually, that calf's going to form up. It's good enough now to where he can practice and play football games. So eventually, it's going to be good enough for him to execute well in that football game. So for me, despite the pain, despite the massive losses, thanks to Joe Burrow, I'm sticking with Joey Cool. Switching gears to this toilet bowl, the toilet bowl recap, Denver Broncos at Chicago Bears. The comedy, the three-way comedy this game turned into. First off, I got to say, I was right last Friday. On last Friday's show, I said you don't leave Justin Fields because, what I say, four football games prior, he was the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. Well, maybe I should say I was half right because yet this man refuses to run, even in this game, but he delivers a almost top-of-the-slate quarterback performance, and he was feeding the guys who were easily stackable. So hopefully you had Komet in there like I did until I tinkered away from it last minute like an idiot, which I tried to explain on the Sunday pod. I'm not going back through that again. But, uh, yes, there's Justin Fields looking the part, looking like a good uh, first overall pick quarterback. And, and getting a huge lead on this Denver's uh, this Denver defense, which I think is as cupcake and as easy as Swiss cheese as there is in the league. It, they need to be beat up on and targeted constantly on the ground and through the air throughout the rest of the year. So take notes. Whenever you see those player pool players going against Denver, that is a matchup plus you put next to their name. But the hilarious aspect of this, this game outcome is, is the fact that the, the Broncos won. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why from three different aspects, actually. And I'll start with number one, of course. The, the success, the fantasy success of Justin Fields, 
uh, in the how it affected DFS. It just laughed in the face of all DFS players who have been relying on fields to come through through three weeks of the season. And it's actually not funny, but it's kind of in a maniacal, insane way. It, it gotta, it's got to make you laugh, right? So here we are, Justin Fields popping off. Should have played him. Should have stuck with him. But I understand if you didn't. But, man, what a cruel joke to make on DFS players. But to the teams, to the teams, this is funny because Denver's in a weird spot as a franchise, right? If you're Sean Payton, if you're really any GM or head coach, job security is a nice thing to have. And not a lot of coaches in the NFL have job security. You either need to be on a franchise where you won them six rings, Bill Belichick, or you need to be having a guy who's under a massive contract uh, like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I mean, it's, the joke's always said, as soon as as soon as soon a franchise quarterback is signed, that's when the coach will buy a house in, in the city he's coaching in because of that job security it brings. But here's Sean Payton before the season starts, goes out and says, this is... Nathaniel Hackett, this is the worst coaching job I have ever seen in my entire career. Lowering the expectations, turning to his new employer and being like, hey, congratulations, I'm here, and you're lucky I am because this team is in shambles. So I'm going to need all the time in the world to fix it, right? And then he's got a questionable quarterback with kind of questionable behavior in Russell Wilson doing high knees on the team plane and stuff like that. Wouldn't it be nice if you're Sean Payton to not only come in and declare the entire team bankrupt, but then get a free redo shot with one of the highest touted quarterback prospects coming out of college next year in Caleb Williams. The Broncos coming into this game were in a great position to lose the game and start securing that number one overall pick, even though the Bears have two first-round picks in this upcoming draft. So it's hilarious to me that – not only did the Broncos, through Russ Wilson, good job, Russ, come back and win this game and probably ensure that they don't take the number one pick now this year, but at the same time, this god-awful Bears offense that has no respect throughout the league also was able to trample this shitty Denver Broncos defense too. So the Broncos can't even feel great about the win because as a franchise, they cost themselves. And it's they still have this glaring issue with this JV defense that they keep putting out every week. Completely unredeemable game and a and a backwards, you know, unprogressive move for the franchise. All wrapped up in a W. Good job, Denver. On the Bears side, it's hilarious to me because they did lose this game, yet Justin Fields does show that he can fill up and play nearly perfect. I mean, this was this was the best passing game of Justin Fields' career. But they lose. They lose this game at home in front of whatever Bears fans could be left. Good Lord. But they lose. Justin Fields proves he can be a you know an all-pro caliber passer, at least, you know, on paper, right? But then they position themselves for that number one pick. So at the end of the year, the Bears more likely than not are going to have to make a decision. Justin Fields or the next best thing. And to get rid of Justin Fields now probably means you get rid of your GM. So the Bears through good production on the field and a loss, basically set themselves up to detonate or implode their entire franchise, front office, quarterback, everything at the end of the year. What a game. One team did win this game, but neither franchise actually won the game. I just, it's it's so funny to me. Uh, I just, I can't get enough. So, hey, the other thing I want to just say uh, before we get into all the games is I want to make a grand announcement. 
Drum roll, please, somewhere. If I could find that sound effect, I'm not going to find that sound effect in time. But CJ Stroud is the real deal. We can go ahead and take that, the rookie plastic that we cover all these guys in. Uh, no, if you're, if you're trying to get to Bryce Young, uh, you got to keep going. He's underneath it all. He's buried underneath it. We got him too, too tall of a wrapping. But keep pulling that off for CJ Stroud. He's done. Put him out there. He's playing amazing. He is throwing the big boy passes. For me, personally, as a DFS player, I have to figure out and stick with the approach to picking a Texans wide receiver. But the reason you got three viable Texans wide receivers is, unlike Joe Burrow so far this year with his 5.5 average uh, yards per completion, Stroud is chucking this baby, and I love it. He's not having high completion percentage. I think Jordan Love has shown that a high completion percentage is for the birds. Stroud is throwing that ball fearless. I love watching him play. I think they got a dude over there finally in Houston. Hopefully that's all they have over there, just a franchise quarterback that doesn't get in any trouble. It's long overdue for that franchise and their fans to just have that staple quarterback. So that's pretty sweet to me. I love that. That division, the AFC South, is going to be what the AFC West is right now. Uh, They have, think about it, they got Anthony Richardson coming up. They got Trevor Lawrence, who to me still looks like a, like a Peyton Manning light. And now you got C.J. Stroud coming up through there. It's going to be pretty cool. Now, if only Kirk Cousins could be traded to the Titans, the AFC South overnight would become the best division in football. But we're, on, we're not there yet. Anyway, C.J. Stroud, welcome to the uh, real deal quarterback league. You, you definitely look like you belong a month into the season. Like I said, my dad says guys who are who they are after four weeks. C.J. Stroud. You are a stud, man. Welcome. All right, let's take a look at last week's game and see what we can learn or what our takeaways, what the temperature is across the league with certain fantasy players that we're always drawn to. Starting off, Lions at Packers. Lions, you know, the Packers could barely make a game of it. Lions, I think, are just a better overall talented team, and it's scary how young they are too. So being led by a veteran quarterback in Jared Goff, uh, Lions could win 12-13 games if people aren't paying attention. Uh, not only did they dethrone the Packers for the NFC North lead, but don't forget who they beat in Week 1, the Chiefs. So, lots of like on the Lions team. Now, it's a little murky looking at them from a fantasy perspective, and I think at this point you're stuck really with just David Montgomery if the matchup and the price line up, right? You can't rely on a guy get, getting 32 carries a game like he did in this game for less than four yards per carry on average. Those three TDs really bailed him out. I think the way you deal with Montgomery moving forward, it's strictly, are they at home? Do they have a easy running matchup? Are they expected to be up in this game? Is this just a game that they can put a team in a corner, ground and pound them all day? I think that's how you go with Montgomery. And then with the Sun God, it's kind of the opposite analysis, right? Are they going to need to pass? Are they going to be down in this game? And, is the Sun God's price low enough? Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, again, if you're not reading up on your Egyptian uh, history there. But, um, yeah, I think that's the only time you're going his direction is if you think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. And his price can't be too high. He's not a slate breaker. He's not. So it's if it's over 8K, you really got to look at it hard. But everything under 8K, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is money. So nothing much changed for the Lions. On the Packers' side, I think we're starting to see – 
<laughs> going to get so much, so much crap for this, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Jordan Love is a usable fantasy option, and I have the stats to prove it. Like I said, you are who you are after week four, and I'll tell you who Jordan Love is after week four. He's a guy in his last four games who has scored 29, 26.3, 27.2, and 21.6 for fantasy points. In your face. He's doing it. He's doing what I love quarterbacks to do. Scamper. Grab a couple first downs on your own. Get to that 30 to 40 rush yard mark, and it's a lot easier to break that that 20-point goal that we're trying all quarterbacks to get us at least. So he's not on the main slate this week, but I don't know. I think Jordan Love at this point should at least make your player pool. And if you're looking for value, if we have a week like we did last week with hardly any value, then he could make it. He can make it. Other than that, he does have a favorite top target in Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson played this game, but still looks like a project second-round pick. Romeo Dobbs, fourth-rounder, nine catches, 95 yards. I mean, Jordan Love, he's got his Tyler Lockett over there. His name's Romeo. So it's starting to develop a little bit. I could see some naked Jordan Love plays occasionally throughout the year. And, again, if there's good value there with Dobbs or any of his other pass catchers, Musgraves, a very popular bargain bin tight end option. It's not stupid. It's not outside the realm. Moving on, next game, Falcons at Jaguars in London. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't think that this game being on Toy Story was worth subscribing to ESPN+. Plus. So, did not view this game at all. I did make my Kyle Pitts scores a touchdown in London game prop bet, and I'm not really big on, on prop bets, but I made that, and that uh, did, did nothing for me. Comically, here comes Jonu Smith, the other tight end on the Atlanta Falcons, with six six catches and 95 yards. Other than that, looks like Bijan Robinson. He took care of business. Slate breaker. Trevor Lawrence walks away with very yeah unimpressive passing stats, but a W. So that's all that matters. I could probably speak more in this game if I actually watched it. Next game I thought was one of the more entertaining games of the afternoon, despite it being a blowout. But Dolphins at Bills. I sort of called this correctly, right? I said temper your expectations. What I did not imagine is Devin A-Chain being as efficient with his touches yet again. Only eight carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Reminds me a lot of DeAndre Swift last year on, on Detroit where people would be uh, you know, attracted to him because of how explosive he could be. But you're playing with fire with you know, him coming in with you know, under 15 touches now. And let me check here. How many targets did he actually get in this game? That could actually make it make a lot more sense. Let's see here. Five. Five. So, yeah, that makes it make a lot more sense. He's flirting. You know, he's over 12. So, yeah, it may he may be an option moving forward. I was very proud of myself. I kept him in my bill stack as the, the sole runback player because I could not afford Tyree Kill. And when you're stacking three players from one team, you definitely need that, that runback player on the other side. So, I got lucky plugging him in. Um, but overall, what this game tells me is that Bills are just more physical football team. They're going to win the game until the Dolphins can reach that level of physicality. At the same time, it didn't look like either offense was really slowing each other down. Uh, Bills were just better at taking Tyreek Hill out of the game. Jalen Waddle, that core oblique issue he is dealing with, he's getting on the field, but he is not the same player this year. It reminds me a lot of Justin Herbert last year where Herbert's athleticism just disappeared. The speed on his fastball just disappeared overnight once he had that core injury. We have it again here with Jalen Waddle. I would say clear away from Jalen Waddle, who had a respectable game here. Uh, but other than that, the Bills have one of the easiest play and forget, set it and forget it 
uh, stacks in the league. Allen, Cook, Diggs, keep it rolling. Broncos at Bears. We covered that pretty well. I don't really have too much more follow-up other than to say I would not buy into any of these Bears players other than Justin Fields. And again, though, this should buy Justin Fields three more weeks of your grace if he starts sucking again. So this is a loss. This is not a, a bounce. Uh, this is not a game that this Bears team is really going to be bouncing, you know, up from uh, carrying it, you know, momentum into next week. It's a loss. So stats be damned. If anything, this reaffirmed Justin Fields' mindset that these coaches don't know what the hell they're doing. So only a downward trajectory in the Chicago locker room from this game. Uh, Broncos, Russell Wilson is showing that he can be an above average starting quarterback, but we're not getting the ball to anybody. And if you lost Devontae Williams, do not feel bad. He was the chalk play of the week. Not a single real DFS player out there did not have a good quarter of their lineups taken down as soon as Devontae uh, Williams was knocked out of this game. So don't beat yourself up about that. That just happens. You can't get down about that. Pick your head up, move on. Ravens, Browns. Interesting. A lot of fishiness with the late start, the late scratch of Deshaun Watson out of nowhere. Now, luckily for me, I didn't have any Browns players in my player pool, although I would have tried to get up to the Ravens defense had I known, you know, not 15, 20 minutes before kickoff that Deshaun Watson wasn't playing. I don't like that. I that's that's very fishy to me how that was reported. And this kind of is a good lesson in you cannot buy into this insider reporting that's flooding Twitter right now and all over the place. People saying, giving little tips like, oh, this player, that's going to get more use or that. It's not, there's, you're not going to get that information before the real insiders do. And and they're called insiders because they're keeping that insider information internal. So this was an example of late news because they had to report it. It was the last minute that they had to report inactives and they met the requirement. Don't think you can shop on Twitter and find insider information that the rest of the public doesn't know. Unless your dad's coaching the team or you're affiliated with the team directly, you're not going to have insider information. Nobody on Twitter has it either. Hard to read anything into the pa- uh, I'm sorry, the Browns pass catchers in this game. Unfortunately, Jerome Ford, though, looking very, very human in this game. Only nine carries for just 26 yards. Again, another inefficient rushing output. When you start a game so poorly – you know, they just get away from the run game so early, so it's hard to see how good a player is. But they kept him involved. That is something to know, that Jerome, Jerome Ford might be game script proof. He still got five targets after the game got out of hand. Involved in the passing game to an extent, but overall, if you played him, you definitely lost. I mean, he didn't do anything to write home about. But, yeah, other, other than that, you can't really evaluate, like, is Amari Cooper worth retargeting, you know, later down the year. Um, the other big takeaway I took out of this was, Lamar Jackson is probably the only quarterback that needs that slate breaker status as in he is matchup proof. I'm not saying you absolutely have to play a lot of them, but he's a guy you got to play every single week because he statistically fantasy wise, he's a running back. Okay. He's going to put up the running back type of stats, regardless of how the passing game goes sometimes. So this is a week I didn't play him. Luckily I got lucky. My other quarterbacks did well, but this Browns defense is pretty thinking tough. And I avoided Lamar because of that. That was a mistake. So I'm not going to make that mistake again this year. I don't care who they're playing. Next game, Bengals-Titans. We covered the Bengals pretty well. Going back to the well, that's me. I'm going back to the well on them next week. Pray for me. Um, The Titans, on the other hand, it's the Derrick Henry show only. You can see snap share uh, percentages out there of Tajay Sharp. Uh, They're saying he's eaten into his production. Bull. 
Tajay Sharp is in there when they're not doing anything with Tajay Sharp. Derrick Henry is the man. They're calling goal line passes for him for crying out loud. So, again, respect the King. And one thing the King has done consistently the last three years, he's only gotten better as the season's progressed. He's never had a good month to open the season. He's like a he's like an old-fashioned locomotive, baby. He's just got to... He's got to get those gears rolling a little bit. you got to throw more coal in the furnace. He's going to keep steamrolling throughout the whole year. Every week, slate breaker, lock him in. Don't overthink it. Man, and I watch this game a lot, actually. And I'm watching Ryan Tannehill, and I'm watching Jiga Conquo. And Conquo is an athletic beast. And Tannehill is just fixated on DeAndre Hopkins only. DeAndre Hopkins looks old. He looks frail. When he hits the ground, he doesn't bounce athletically and get up anymore. He just kind of crashes and then picks himself up off the ground. We're at that stage of DeAndre Hopkins' career, and unfortunately it's hurting Conquo's opportunity. So, again, watch that game. Conquo wide open over the middle. Conquo wide open, you know, often often seen. He's open all over the place. Tannehill, he's just not a good enough quarterback to get to his second, third read options consistently enough. So, strongly considering after watching closely this, this week, moving Conquo out of my player pool. We'll see. He's such a good athlete. Next up, Rams-Colts. What a good football game. This was, and it goes to show that as long as you have a dude at quarterback, your team can be great. And honestly, this Rams team, too bad they're so thin on defense because they basically look look like they reloaded their offensive skill players and still just running back Matt Stafford. It's a shame that this Rams defense isn't championship caliber because I think they would contend again this year. Kyron Williams, they fired Cam Akers for Kyron Williams and did not go out and get a replacement. Kyron Williams is going to be at this high level of usage all year. You need to play him every single week. Mid to high-end stud with 25 carries. Like it's 2005 over here. 25 carries in this game. There's, don't overthink it. Kyron Williams in your lineup pretty much every week unless he's going against Tennessee. Puka Nakua at the same time, high-end stud. I would put him probably in the DK Metcalf or up area. He's definitely should be considered over a Mike Evans or something like that at this point. Uh, early in his young career. I don't think Cooper Cup coming back at, is going to affect him at all. We'll see. We'll see. But I think when Cooper Cup comes back, the, the smart player rolls Puka Nakua out there those first two weeks and lives with the results. And that's what I'll be doing when Cooper Cup does make his return. But holy cow, Puka Nakua. Yeah, just reloading over there uh, with the Rams. And the Colts, also interesting. They're gritty. They got it. I mean, there's something there. They got it. Their quarterback is a dude. He's also a guy who's throwing fearless, and I like it. Although, does not look like the guy can absorb an NFL hit. It looks like baby Cam Newton out there a little bit, but he gets hit and he absorbs it. I don't think him rushing long-term is the answer long-term. Uh, but here he is. He's he is the hot, one of the highest-scoring quarterbacks in fantasy through the first month of the season. Another rushing threat. you got to tag him as that. He's a running quarterback, and he's got to be played probably most weeks. Uh, whether he's naked or you find a way to stack him. But new age, new era, you got to adapt to the new. Don't be the first one to pick up the new thing, but definitely don't be the last. Anthony Richardson, it's time to pick him up. Next, we got Buccaneers at Saints. Baker Mayfield doesn't care what broadcasting job is available. He wants to play football, gosh darn it. And he's playing football super, super well. All I can say while watching him play is, can you imagine Kirk Cousins on this team? (laughs) <laughs> but seriously, my instincts were right. Last week I said, if I'm playing any of these Bucks receivers, it's going to be Chris Godwin, not Mike Evans. Mike Evans isn't going to finish the game, and I'm right. I was right. So, 
Godwin in this game, eight catches, 114 yards. Respectable. What's not respectable is Rashad White's inability to read the gap and, and know when to run hard and when to let things develop. Looks like a uh, looks like a running back without vision at this point in his career. So not ever really going to be excited about Rashad White uh, again, I, I don't think, unless he something clicks in his head and, and he starts playing better. And I don't think Baker Mayfield's actually a player you need to consider playing in fantasy, but he's fun to watch for football, and he can feed some receivers. The Saints, another sketchy late quarterback news. Derek Carr, he's going to play after all. Whatever. Thankfully, Olave was so high-priced that if Olave had been priced like 7 k I would have been absolutely screwed. I would have been scrambling the last half hour before kickoff. But luckily, just like Derek Carr's whole career, for it to be good, Derek Carr's got to be perfect, right? Everything's got to be going perfectly for him, health-wise, situation-wise, all that on the field anyway. And in this game, with a shoulder kind of agitating him in this super tough Bucks defense, which I said was super nice to have going up against possibly the Saints with Kamara and, and, and Winston and all that, all these other X factors. Happy to see a good defense hitting that situation so we could see how it played out. Yeah, I mean, they were able to just stifle everything. Derek Carr, again, it's got to be perfect for him to be good. It just wasn't perfect with the shoulder injury and minimal minimal production. This Saints offense so far through the season, if you're paying attention, all-time bad. My take on Alvin Kamara before this game was the offense is so bad, I don't think it matters who's actually touching the ball. I think the line is that bad. So another game they can't crack 20 points. Yeah, I don't know. The Saints are starting to look like a lave or nothing you know, for the rest of the season. Commanders at Eagles. I I keep hitting on these commanders like there's nothing to to like. And I only mean that from a fantasy perspective, I swear. Because, I mean, look at this team. It's so spread out, and there's nothing spectacular that you should feel good about. But yet they're over here scoring 31 points against the Philadelphia Eagles. But looking at the looking at everything here, there's no one player that's shining. Uh, Sam Howell, he's probably the real deal because he's spreading that ball around. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers he completes a pass to in this game. Nine. Nine. That's insane. But none of these receivers are breaking the slate or even putting up respectable numbers. I mean, you got Terry McLaurin, eight catches, 86 yards, no touchdown. Jahan Dotson with just four catches, 27 yards. He gets the touchdown, but none of these scores. In their run game, Brian Robinson continually running at that 3.2 to 3.5 average yards per carry clip. None of these players are fantasy relevant, yet they're putting up 30 bombs every few weeks. I think if a handful of injuries start hitting the commanders and you start seeing that, come back to this team and see if maybe the opportunities are going to get more narrow. But other than that, it's still a stay away, as weird as that is, as they just scored 30 points again. And the Philly side of this is getting really interesting because there's some good and there's some bad. The good here is the emergence of DeAndre Swift, apparently now very durable football player, 14 carries in this game, another four targets to go with it. I mean, with that usage, yeah, he's your middle top-end stud. you got to consider him strongly every single week. But my only concern on this Phillies team is, is actually Jalen Hurts' rushing. Nine carries in this game, only 34 yards, 3.8 average. What's going on with his rushing, and is that going to increase later in the year as they open it up and loosen him up a little bit? If he does, is that going to start siphoning rushing yards away from DeAndre Swift? I don't know, but I think that that is a slow enough developing situation that you can now rely on Hurts to be the quarterback, DeAndre Swift to get 
the running back carries. Now, remember, Jalen Hurts is taking that goal line touchdown. Just know that that's happening. But I think DeAndre Swift moving forward, hell yeah. Put him in your player pool. And if it lines up with the salary and everything else, play him. And at the same time, nothing else to consider on this team except for the two, the two receivers. So after years of having three to four running backs in this backfield, two tight ends, two receivers, and a rushing quarterback, it's starting to really get a lot more narrow in, in Philly, which I like to see. So as they kind of come off the primetime games and find themselves in the main slate, they're in the main slate again, heading into week five, you're definitely going to want to be all over this team. They're, I mean, they're super good. They're super explosive. A.J. Brown was in the Millie uh, winner lineup this week. So you, you, want, you want pieces of this puzzle every single week. Next up, we have the Vikings at the Panthers. The Vikings won this game, but they also showed you how bad of a football team they are. And I think all the good pieces on the Vikings should be looking to leave ASAP again. How do the Vikings not trade Kirk Cousins to the Tennessee Titans? I think that that is a match made in Nashville heaven. I would love to just see that. That'd be good for football. But here we, here we got Kirk Cousins in this game, only throwing the ball 19 times. Still made Justin Jefferson worth it. Thank God. Only six catches, but those two touchdowns, 85 yards, saves you on the day. Madison commanding lead. Nothing to worry about. Usage over Cam Akers. You like to see that. I think you can kind of still rely on Madison, who had a good running back game. 17 carries, 95 yards, 5.6 average. Good. I mean, if he falls into the end zone on accident, it's a great game. You're happy you played him. So I like Madison again. I think he's getting dinged up pretty bad for a single bad game two weeks ago. You got to move past it. Looks like the Vikings have. They, they're sticking with him. And then on the Carolina, oh, man, it's so bad. Uh, Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young, he's a good argument for why we need to start going back to the 6'4 quarterback. I'm sorry. I know that, that, that that's not cool to say. It's not very progressive. Hey, everyone can play quarterback, man. Not really. Not Bryce Young. Not when he's got a glimpse in between the gaps between his linemen. I mean, just watching him try to see down the field is brutal. In fact, if you're watching him, he ain't looking down the field too often. He's either looking at the rusher coming right to right at his face to sack him, or he's looking side to side. The guy just looks like he cannot see through the line of scrimmage. I think all these guys should really thank Russell Wilson and Drew Brees for being successful at their height because it gave a lot of contracts to a lot of diminutive quarterbacks that I don't think are NFL quarterbacks. I think we got to get back to the 6'4 quarterback, uh, but mm, I think I'm in the minority there. As long as Bryce Young is quarterbacking this team, there's no fantasy options to be seen. If an old pro steps in, obviously they can feed a, a wide receiver or two to make them useful, as we saw with Andy Dalton and Adam Thielen last week. Next game, we got the Steelers at the Houston Texans. I got lucky in my lineup construction last week. I even said on the Friday show, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers defense heading in uh, to the week, and then lineup construction just would not allow me to pay for that high of a defense. So I ended up having no Steelers defense. And thank God, because I would have been kicking myself for not realizing what the rest of the league should know by now, that C.J. Stroud is a legitimate NFL quarterback who will chuck the thing. So I love watching Stroud play football. Uh, this game, though, it's hard to predict where these targets and yards are going to go. It's flipping you know, every single game. So I know a lot of people were on Tank Dell this week. Surprise, it's Nico Collins. So it's going to be all over the place. But I think a good DFS player starts taking pieces of the Texans and starting to try to make them work. Not a good offensive line for the Texans. So Damian Pierce getting a workhorse amount of usage for only 3.4 yards per carry. Pretty brutal, but he gets 24 carries. So keep that in mind that 
They're sticking with him. It's not him. I mean, they're feeding the guy. It's just there's no room to move with that offensive line as patched up as it is. On the Steelers' side, Kenny Pickett ended up leaving this game with a knee injury. No idea how he's gonna how he's gonna be moving forward. But this is just a fantasy wasteland. You could safely put this team on your fantasy, uh, you know, shadow world with the Carolina Panthers. I've not even considered a Steeler all year, and I they have not made me pay for it. So it's just not an efficient offense. And tough to say, but Mike Tomlin teams who have always been rich in talent. I've always underperformed throughout the year. He can say a lot of cool one-liners, and he's the coolest coach in the league. But Mike Tomlin team has rarely, in my opinion, with the talent they've had, overachieved. And now they have average to below average talent, and they're achieving as such. So 2-2 two two Pittsburgh Steelers. Hopefully they can turn it around. Nowhere I'm looking for DFS talent, though. Next game here, we have the Raiders at the Chargers. I was all over this game. A lot of people were until three injuries hit my Charger stack. And then I went and did a late swap, which, uh, again, we do need to talk about late swapping. So if you guys want me to add that on the Friday show, just let me know. But starting with the Raiders in this game, Aiden O'Connell, the preseason darling, the preseason Brett Favre, looked like a rookie, looked like the game was moving pretty fast for him. So not super promising there. Love that he gets the memo, though. Definitely going to Devontae Adams. All day, 13 targets. If you're playing Devontae Adams again, you are playing high elite level talent mixed with inefficient but high opportunity. That's what you are playing with Devontae Adams. Don't be thinking the ball's heading his way. Are gonna be in great spots for him to get a lot of yards after the catch. You're 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 playing on the talent, the the other world talent of Devontae Adams playing him. Josh Jacobs, though, this is our fourth fourth game of the year, and he as a guy who missed camp. Looks like his usage and everything is ramped up. And this game, 17 carries, 8 receptions. I think Josh Jacobs, the rushing champ from last year, moving forward should be full steam, borderline slate breaker moving forward. So don't don't fall asleep on Josh Jacobs next time he's available. You better have him somewhere in your lineups. On the Chargers side, just kind of an odd game for them, right? They didn't pass a whole lot because they didn't need to. Herbert, only 24 attempts, just 167 yards. Hard to take away from this other than the most important takeaway, which is Quentin Johnston is a distant wide receiver three for the Chargers. Joshua Palmer saw 23 more snaps, 86% snap share for Joshua Palmer leading the team, while Quentin Johnson only 33 snaps, 51%. That's that's not going to get it done. So moving forward, I think you got a, a two wide receiver show there with Keenan Allen, Joshua Palmer. And Gerald Everett actually saw a decent increase in snaps as well from the prior two weeks. Uh, Prior two weeks, 41 and 58%, getting all the way up to 69%. So just kind of how I alluded to in in the last show on Friday, Gerald Everett would actually have a little bit of boost here in this system as well. But I think you don't need to dig too deep on this Chargers team, especially with Eckler expected back this week, hopefully. It could just be a kind of like the Bills again, just a very narrow fantasy team. Herbert, Allen, Eckler, Joshua Palmer. But, ooh, with that Mike Evans injury, it's starting to show lack of depth on the Chargers could hurt them with another inefficient week by Joshua Kelly. Kelly with a great 17 carries for only 65 yards. He's just not a guy. He's a guy that's going to take the ball, run into the first guy he sees, and fall down. That's Joshua Kelly, but he's been his whole career. So, unfortunately, in fantasy – is not a place you want to go 
as much as the matchup, the team, the pace, and the price are very, very attractive. Stay away from Joshua Kelly and DFS. Just a couple games to go here. Patriots at Cowboys. First, to recap all the usable DFS options on the Patriots. And now for the Dallas Cowboys. Again, not too many carries for Tony Pollard, surprisingly. 11 carries in this game, 47 yards. But they just didn't quite need it. They were kind of having their way through the air against the Patriots. Dak looked decent, only averaging 7.7 yards of completion, which kind of tells you where he should rank in the league's quarterbacks. He's, you know, a step above a game manager who can occasionally scramble. That might be Dak Prescott. But anyway, the big takeaway I have from this game is that Jake Ferguson at tight end is probably not going to be in the bargain bin pricing very much longer. Seven targets, seven catches, 77 yards. Beautiful stat line, uh, but very usable and a guy that you should be after when it makes sense with the salary. Otherwise, you'd like to see a CD Lamb breakout game, but they ain't going to give it to you. So his price should keep going down. He's an elite football player. Keep playing him. It's going to pay off here soon. Next game, Cardinals at 49ers. Again, I'm not even trying to make sense of the Cardinals on offense. I think they are who we all think they are. 49ers, it's the Caffrey MVP season, and I hope you're on a ride. It'd be interesting, I'd be interested to see is his price over 10K, 10.5 this week. It wouldn't surprise me. I think he's worth 11. So keep going to McCaffrey. Make it make sense. It's good money spent. You are buying granite countertops right away for your kitchen when you go with Christian McCaffrey. That's going to make it. Doesn't care. You don't care what, what kind of wood you got on the cabinetry. You don't care if, if you got a fridge that does the ice and the water straight out of the door. Them granite countertops, them marble countertops, that's what Christian McCaffrey is for you. Spend your money wisely. Start with McCaffrey when you build your lineups. That's all i got to say for this game. It does. I, I do see a trend, though, with the Cardinals, which is they're just competent enough on defense to require a star to break them. So every time I think a star is kind of going against this Cardinals team, they just don't have the talent to match, and a star's talent can usually overcome them. Saquon had good uh, good success against them. Pollard had good success against them, and, and CMC went to the freaking moon on them. So every star player with the Cardinals, it's as juicy a matchup as it looks like. Finally, to end with, the Chiefs, Jets, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Zach Wilson? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not that much. It's an overreaction. Hey, listen, when you're slotted for like six to eight more primetime games as this god-awful Jets team is, you know, you gotta you gotta find some comedy somewhere, you know, in the in the tragedy here. So entertaining football game, not a lot to take from. Again, Isaiah Pacheco had a respectable running back, running back uh, stat line. Just not a guy I'm ever excited about. The guy exerts more energy to take a single step than I do to go up the stairs. So Isaiah Pacheco, though, great stat line in this game. 20, 20 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Otherwise, though, just it's the same old thing. Overpriced Kelsey, barely, you, when you buy him, you bear, you're buying his floor. And then Mahomes this week, and they have a pretty easy matchup this week against the Minnesota Vikings. I think Mahomes is just a good naked quarterback play um, at, its, at its core. So uh, thank God, I guess, that there isn't some stud, slate-breaking, super-fast, uh, generational talent uh, you know, former sprinting Olympic champion wide receiver on this Chiefs team. Otherwise, you may actually have to consider a wide receiver to play. So uh, that's all I got in this. That's the games for this week. What did you guys learn? If you've learned anything, 
pointed it out to me. Like I said, this podcast is a two-way street. I've had a few guys make suggestions to me and who to watch and keep my eyes for. And I've had a few a few guys change my perspectives on teams and players. So if you feel like you got something to say, speak up. Holler at me. Find me on Twitter at PlayerPoolPod. And that'll do it for today's episode. Love you guys rocking with me. We are one month into the NFL season. This is our 20th, 20th podcast episode already. Holy cow. How many episodes are we going to end at by the end of the season? I see. I don't even know if this show is going to continue past the season. I don't know if we'll put something on in the off season. I have a lot of plans for the show, though. I want to start bringing some guests on eventually. I want to start kind of sharing our DFS experiences with some listeners, too. Try to get some listeners on the pod, too, from all over the country. I think that would be kind of cool. What is the what is the guy on the East Coast, you know, think compared to the guy on the West Coast, compared to the guy in the Midwest? Uh, you know, somebody out there just going, hey, this this rambling guy, you know, in this player pool podcast, this host, he kind of sounds uh, like he's got an accent going. I don't know. I just want to see different perspectives. But your perspective as a fantasy player, again, is what makes you great at fantasy. The player pool is just a a guide, a tool to help sharpen and keep your entire fantasy thought throughout the whole week on track and protect you from yourself. And there's been areas in my process where I see maybe I'm not being, you know, protective of my own process as as the week goes on. I'm starting lineup construction late in the week. Then I'm rushing cuz weekend plans are starting to slam me. And honestly, there's there's been a few weeks where I feel like maybe I've just opted for the easy way out and overplayed a couple chalkier plays. So I got to get more discipline throughout the year, and I'm going to make a plan today to get that done. I'm going to actually schedule in my calendar a spot to sit down and start getting some lineups put together. Because one aspect I want to talk about in this show moving forward is some green, it's some, some success, and, and really go through some of these player finishes. So I know there's some player pool listeners out there now who have had great success every single week. More power to you guys. I'm about to join you here soon. But remember, DFS success, it, you can have it all come to you in just a, a couple weeks and, and then be gone the rest of the season. You can Most DFS pros have one or two spikes over a course of an entire year. And most of those pros are not just playing the main slate. They're playing every single slate out there. They're playing the Thursday showdown slate, the Monday showdown slate. They're playing afternoon-only slates, Thursday through Sundays. All for that one or two or three, four times where they really hit it. Now, the player pool process and, and, and how we target these leagues, to me, leads to more times in the money and more success. So that is an aspect I like. But if you're feeling the burn or the weight of failure on you, I will tell you that washing yourself in failure is the best way to come out stronger and to grow. People who avoid failure avoid the bad feelings it leaves you with and the self-doubt. They stay in place their entire lives. So best thing I can say to you at this point in the season, if you're feeling disheartened or just feeling like you have no idea what you're doing, keep throwing yourselves at this process. If you love it, right? This isn't a job. This is for fun. Remember that. But if you want to be great, if you want to enjoy this like the rest of us are, Keep throwing yourselves at this process. Wash yourself in failure. You'll come out smelling like success. I promise you. We'll see you in here Friday. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pods.